0: Brick Moon Fiction presents The Janitor of Death by Jack Moody. Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. The first time Siri told George to kill someone, he made an appointment at the Genius Bar. But they wouldn't see him for two weeks, and George didn't have two weeks. George's phone was telling him to kill people. George needed an appointment now. My phone is telling me to kill people, George told the squeaky-voiced teen on the other line. I need to see you now so you can fix this. What kind of phone do you have? The voice on the other line asked. Does that matter? George responded. Is it the iPhone 6? No, 5S. Does that matter? What is it telling you now? Nothing. I'm talking to you on it. Try turning it off and back on. I did. Well, come in in two weeks and we'll take a look. How's Monday the 15th looking for you at three o'clock? Should I listen to it? How about noon? I guess that's fine does this happen often? The squeaky-voiced teen didn't know. George hung up. The man lives on the corner of 12th and Harrow Street, his phone's A.I. repeated. Apartment E-13. Kill him and set fire to his apartment. Cleanse his soul. George set the phone down beside him on his bed. He looked out the window to his cluttered one-room apartment. The streets were filled with people. They walked back and forth on their way to places he wanted to know. He wanted to know what these people did. What did the man on the corner of 12th and Harrow Street do? George stood up, rinsed out a crusted glass from the overflowing pile of silverware accumulating in his sink, turned on the faucet, filled it, drank the brown-tinged water. What did the man do? George asked his phone. He is a harbinger of doom, a bringer of fire and death, came the robotic female voice from across the room. End his life and cleanse his soul. There must be more of a reason than that. "'said George. "'How do I know you're not lying to me, Siri? "'I am not lying to you. "'You will obey me. "'Tell me why?' "'I am God,' said George's phone. "'Shit, really?' "'Yes. "'And you want me to kill the man who lives on the corner of 12th and Harrow Street. "'Yeah, I got it.' "'George hesitated and looked around the room. "'You better not be kidding me.' "'I am not,' said Siri. "'I am God.' All right. Shit. Fine. I'll be right back. George put on a Van Halen sweatshirt he bought on Craigslist for $200 because it was promised by Philip on Craigslist to be vintage, but George realized it was probably just dirty and walked out into the world to find supplies that might aid someone in killing a harbinger of fire and death. His head was down, his hood covering his face like he imagined an angel of death might look. This was good. George had been looking for something to do. He entered the nearest corner store and crept through the aisles of expired milk and rotting bananas until reaching the small section for tools and home improvement, life improvement, harbingers of fire and death improvement. He let his hand glide against the objects as he passed, testing for strength and sturdiness. The axe? No, too heavy, too obvious. Be more creative. Hatchet? Close. Easier to hide. More hacks to get the job done, but the same concept. Broom. No. Wait. Broom. Sharpen the handle. Carry the broom. Dress as a janitor. Overalls. Where are the overalls? Yeah, that's good. Cleanse the soul. Sweep up the death. The janitor of death. The man at the corner of Twelfth and Harrow Street would never see it coming. Sharpened broom handle. Creative. Understated. Good. George picked up the broom a U-line 11-inch corn broom, a true classic if there ever was one, and made his way to the front to pay. Behind the register was a toothless Indian man with a hairy chest. George knew he had a hairy chest because he was wearing a silk button-up that wasn't buttoned up. As he handed the hairy, toothless Indian man the money, George noticed a small wooden crucifix tacked to the wall behind him, next to the condoms. "'Is that for sale?' George asked. The Indian man pivoted and pointed at it. "'That thing?' "'Yeah.' I'm a Christian, man. I can see that. How much? What do you need it for, man? I'm going to cleanse someone's soul. Like an exorcism? Yeah, but I'm going to kill him. How much? Twenty? Fifteen? Deal. George and the bare-chested Indian man shook hands. After that, George bought a pair of overalls from the Goodwill and filled a plastic tank with gasoline from the Chevron. He was ready. George was suited up and ready to cleanse a soul. When he returned to his apartment, God was waiting on the bed. George whipped around the corner with his soul-cleansing equipment into the bathroom and emerged in full janitor-of-death garb, broom in one hand and wooden crucifix held out in front of his chest with the other. So, what do you think? You are running out of time, came Siri's voice. When the clock strikes midnight the ritual will have been completed and a new era of death will have been erected throughout the heavens and earth. Fire will rain down upon you, and the Antichrist will rise from the ashes of the black demise I once banished it to eons ago. You must—' "'Yeah, I know,' George interrupted. "'I'll get to that. But what do you think?' "'Of what?' said God. "'My outfit.' "'I don't understand. You are running out of time. I know, I know. I've got a whole angle, God. I'll smite the harbinger of whatever with a broom. I have to sharpen it first, but you get the idea, right?' I'm trying not to be too cliché for my first smiting. I want this to be good, you know? See, I'm going to walk in wearing the overalls and the hour of the Antichrist is approaching, George's phone screamed, its speakers crackling under the weight of the elevated volume. All right, Jesus, just let me prepare. We need to work together on this, God, you and me. I need you in my corner for this, man. I'm nervous. George's phone fell silent. George spent the remainder of his daylight hours honing his weapon, sharpening the broom handle to a fine point, practicing his jabs and sweeps in the cracked and grimy mirror, the blurred image of his miniature Jesus waving in front of his body like a shield. This was good. George was good. He was ready. A trained killer, ordained by the word of God, prepared to end the life of the man on the corner of 12th and Harrow Street and halt the rise of the Antichrist. The janitor of death. The janitor of death. He watched the passing humans walk underneath him on the street, pointing his finger like an aimed rifle at their heads, wondering who among them were not of this earth as well, who among them too needed to be cleansed. Bang, bang, pow, boom. He'd cleanse them all. Once night fell, George tucked the crucifix into the front pocket of his overalls, fixed the sharpened broom through the straps on his back like a medieval sword, took up the tank of gasoline, and slid God into his pants. God, are you ready? He whispered. Yes, said Siri. The time is now. Trust nothing you see. Believe nothing he says. End his life and burn the evidence. Save the world. George approached the mirror, gazing at himself in the darkness permeating throughout the room, and pulled a pair of stolen pantyhose over the acne scars dotting his face. I'm ready, God. I'm the janitor of death. The moonlight illuminated his footsteps as George ran down the city streets, diving behind dumpsters and hiding in the shadows of alleys as people walked past. His breaths were sharp and calculated, his heart beat wild, and he was alive. They would never know an angel hid in their midst. They would never know. George was too fast, too quiet, too skilled. They would never know that he would save them all from the end of the world. They would never know, and they would never thank him but George would know. George would know what he was about to do that night. The apartment building stood high, a mass of brick and metal. He is there, said God from inside his pants. Climb and find him on the fifth floor. Let no one see you. George crept to the alley behind the building and found the fire escape. He lifted himself onto the dumpster beneath it, hoisted the tank of gas ahead of him, It connected with the platform with a harsh clang that suffocated the silence he so relied on, and he quickly leapt to reach the bottom rung before his presence became known. He felt the cold metal on his hands and pulled his legs over onto the platform. The air was frigid and the moon was hidden behind the Tower of Death harboring his target. He sunk beneath the ray of light beaming out from the street lamp below. He would become the shadows. No evidence. No witnesses to the Janitor of Death. The window was locked. Somewhere beneath him a dog barked and howled and screamed. It would wake up the neighborhood. Did it see him? Did it smell him? The mission was now urgent. Time was falling down upon him and his enemies were growing aware of the angel over their heads. He unfastened his weapon, stroked the sharp edge with his finger until he felt the prick and the warmth of the blood running down his skin. With his face pressed against the glass, he could make out the shape of furniture the faint glow of a light emanating from a separate room. With a soft tap, George tested the level of noise the window might create once he shattered it. His head swiveled and he leaned towards the ground, surveying the scene. The dog continued its infernal screams from an unknown vantage point. A spy. The man would know. He would be waiting for George. But George was too smart for him. As the beast below released its next cacophonous warning signal, he thrust the broom handle into the center of the glass and smashed it in. The scene was deafened by the howls. The man on the corner of Twelfth and Harrow's plan of defense had failed him. George was too smart. George lifted himself up over the sill and stepped silently into the antechamber. His boots met the soft texture of carpeting. It smelled of rot and decay. The furniture was covered in a thick layer of plastic. He lurked around the room, weapon in hand and at the ready, searching for evidence of the man's true identity. He came to a credenza in the far corner. Upon it was a framed photograph. It was of an elderly man with his arm around a young blonde woman. The woman's teeth were bright and white and shone through the photograph, piercing through even the vacuum of black and death and rot that permeated the antechamber. The man stood straight, his chest out, smiling. A thin gray ring of hair grew around the circumference of his head. Was this he? The Antichrist? He looked harmless. Respectable, even. Then, from inside his pants, Ciri's voice spat. Trust nothing, you see. Cleanse his soul. Set fire to the apartment. Something stirred from the room down the hallway at the sound of the noise. Something was coming from the room with the light. Shit, shit. "'George mumbled under his breath "'and darted towards the tank of gas waiting by the sill. "'Burn it down, burn it down, janitor of death, janitor of death. "'Burn it all down.' "'He began emptying out the contents hurriedly over everything in the room. "'The smell of rot and decay dissipated behind the stench of gasoline. "'Something was coming. "'George shook loose the last drops over the covered sofa in the center of the room "'and dove behind it as the creature entered. "'Its steps were soft and padded against the floor.' but he could feel its presence like a great beast. George crouched ready behind the sofa, grasping his sharpened broom until his knuckles turned white, holding his breath as his chest heaved and trembled. Cleanse the soul, cleanse the soul, cleanse the soul. Then, as the padded steps came to a stop just around the corner of his hiding place, Frank released a heavy exhale and launched out into the open, rolling across the carpet and sprung back to his feet with the broom held out in front of him with both hands
1: Arr! Arr!
0: it was there standing at attention staring at him head cocked to the side it stared into his soul the chihuahua obviously had some sort of skin ailment its fur was patchy and matted and its left eye was missing but its right eye took up nearly the size of its head and made up for it George watched back, in awe. Its tongue hung out of its mouth like a vestigial organ. A gruff and low voice sounded from the room with the light. Huh? Who was that? Who's there? Cinnamon? Fuck! George's war cry had blown his cover. Unsure of what to do now, he fumbled with the cross in his pocket until tearing it out and held it before the mangled chihuahua. Stay back! This doesn't concern you." He looked up, and the man on the corner of Twelfth and Harrow was there before him, standing in a white nightgown. He was short and shrunken, visibly weaker than the man George had seen in the photograph. His shoulders were no longer straight, his chest no longer out. Who—who are you? He screamed. Get out! I—I'll call the cops! George hesitated, then returned to character. I am the janitor of death. I am here to cleanse your soul, Antichrist. Prepare to die. What? George then took off in a sprint with his broom and crucifix pointed at the old man, and as the man recoiled and the weapon was about to make contact, a terrifying and deep growl erupted from the animal between them. Stop.
1: George froze. ''Stop!'' Stop, cried the Chihuahua. ''You may not have him. He is mine. MINE!'' ''Don't heed his words!'' God screamed from George's pants.
0: ''Kill the man. Kill him now!'' George choked on his spit. ''You talk? What are you?''
1: ''I am everything you fear,'' howled the Chihuahua. ''He is mine to take.'' His body is mine. I need him. This need not concern you. The old man stood feebly to his knees. Who,
0: who are you talking to? Shut up! George's eyes danced between each of the beings, his arms growing weak and unable to hold his weapons properly. Tell me what this is! Out of the way, demon! I must kill him!
1: He is my conduit! the chihuahua howled. WITH HIM I WILL BECOME WHOLE AGAIN. I WILL SHED THIS BROKEN FORM AND BECOME MY TRUE SELF. THE TIME IS APPROACHING AND YOU WILL NOT RUIN THIS. DON'T
0: LISTEN TO THE DEMON, Ceres' CRACKLING VOICE BOUNDED OUT FROM WITHIN HIS PANTS. WHEN THE CLOCK STRIKES MIDNIGHT, IT WILL TAKE THE FORM OF WHICH THE MAN KNOWS NOT YET WHAT HE IS. THERE IS NO TIME. BURN IT ALL. CLEANSE HIS SOUL. George's mind fluttered and spun, and without a proper plan for the circumstances, he threw the crucifix at the animal. It missed, bouncing off the carpeting, and landed by the old man's feet.
1: You're crazy!
0: The Antichrist screamed. Get away from me! Don't you hear it? The hesitation in George's voice came out with a lilting cackle. He stepped backwards, nearly losing his footing. Don't you hear it? The old man tried his best to regain his composure, speaking softly. Son, I don't hear anything but a barking dog and a confused young man.
1: Please, leave my home and I won't call
0: the police. Don't believe his lies, God hissed. Obey me, now, kill him. The old man began walking tentatively closer to George, his hand out flat like someone attempting to approach a wild animal. It's going to be okay, son. Just
1: put the broom
0: down. Ow! The Antichrist had accidentally stepped on the crucifix, lying in wait on the floor like a landmine. The metal thorns around the head of the little Jesus pierced his foot. Ow! He screamed. Shit! George's eyes widened. It was true. The Antichrist, maimed by the Son of God he can't but recoil at the holy touch. The Antichrist! Cleanse his soul! Cleanse his soul! George felt the blood rising and vibrating throughout his body, his heavenly calling revitalizing and destroying the fear within him. He took up the broom with both hands and charged at the old man. Die, Antichrist! Die!
1: The Chihuahua cried out his death-howl, giving chase. No, you can't. He is mine. Mine!
0: George felt its cracked teeth sink into his ankle as the pointed end of the U-line 11-inch corn broom found its way into the old man's chest, piercing the skin between the ribs until half of the weapon disappeared inside his body. The old man's eyes met George's blue, bright, big eyes, and screamed their fear. George pressed the broom in farther. Please, don't. He pressed farther until the eyes screaming fear clouded into a dull mist and the body slumped forward onto the handle. The struggle ceased. George's muscles relaxed. The Chihuahua let go of its grip on George's ankle. Both of them stepped back, away from the old man, and he fell over onto the broom, impaled his legs splayed and twisted like an abused rag doll. The Chihuahua looked up at George and down at the dead old man. It walked timidly next to his body, sniffed at his limp hand on the gas-drenched carpeting, and lay down beside him. George fell back onto the floor, exhausted, and spoke over his own deep exhales. What do you have to say now, demon? Your plan is foiled. The Antichrist is dead. The Chihuahua looked up at him, its tongue hanging out of its mouth, its empty eye sockets staring into him, and it barked. Nothing to say now, huh? The Chihuahua whimpered. The Chihuahua barked. It nuzzled its nose against its dead owner's hand. Say something! The Chihuahua didn't speak. George felt the fear stab his insides. He fought back the urge to vomit. God! he shouted. God, tell me I did it. I burn it all down. Right, God? I did it? He reached into his pants and held his phone out in front of his face. The phone was off. God? God? The phone didn't speak. God had left. George sat there, soaking in the gasoline, breathing the fumes, paralyzed. He looked at the animal, needing what it could prove to him. Please. Speak to me. Please. The Chihuahua raised its little face, licked its paw, and cocked its head at him. Silent. The blood drained from George's face. Okay, he said. George stood up, took out a pack of matches from his overalls, struck the match, and dropped the flame on the carpeting. The flame erupted and grew large. Smoke filled the room. George picked up the chihuahua and tucked him inside his overalls, stroking its head softly as he climbed back out onto the fire escape, whimpering, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. As they together made their way back down the city streets under the dimming moonlight, the orange glare of the flames licked the wind as it spilled out over the windowsill. The smell of smoke stayed in his clothes and his mind for the rest of the walk back. George sat down upon his bed, the Chihuahua perched atop his lap. He held the phone in his hand, staring at the blank screen. There was a number he could call. Someone had once told him a long time ago. Someone who could help. He stared at the phone for a good long time. A number he could call. Someone who could help. The Chihuahua licked tenderly at the soot and dirt on his arms. The screen was blank. Someone who could help. George stroked his dog's belly, smiled. He put the phone down. George lay back on the bed and closed his eyes. All he needed was to rest his eyes. Yes, just to rest his eyes for a while. Then, as he was finally about to slip away, George heard a noise, a chime. His eyes opened. There was a bright white light glowing against the ceiling hanging over his view. He lifted his head. His phone had turned back on. He waited. There was the warmth of his dog pressed against his arms. The white glow of the phone, and he waited. Silence. Beautiful, white silence. George smiled. George stroked his dog. George closed his eyes, and not until he felt the warmth of rest wash across his body, The cool relief of the pillow under his head. The perfect and desperate release of a slowed mind. Did George hear the words? The man lives at 3291 North Chesapeake Lane. Kill him and set fire to his house. Cleanse his soul. Jack Moody is a short story writer, poet, and freelance journalist from wherever he happens to be at the time. He has had work published in multiple magazines and journals, including the Saturday Evening Post. He didn't go to college. He likes his privacy. He doesn't have social media. Don't ask him to make one. Contact him at j.moody9116 at gmail.com. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.